Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, they deliver on decision day. The New York Red Bulls strike early and hold on for victory against one of the league's elite teams, Toronto FC. They close the regular season with a 2-1 to win that sees them climb the Eastern Conference table and avoid the play-in round. Columbus is the playoff opponent. The Shet Messing Podcast begins now. And welcome to an edition of the program that caps the regular season and sees the New York Red Bulls leapfrog New England in the East and finish sixth in the conference in this season that began before any sporting events were postponed or canceled due to a pandemic. What a long ride it's been with Shep Messing. I'm Steve Cangelosi. When games were being wiped off the schedule in March, I wasn't sure we'd be here to discuss the conclusion of a season in November, but here we are. And for that, someone deserves a lot of credit. Steve, I echo that. And and I'll start with Major League Soccer. And look, over the years, I've been critical of Major League Soccer when I felt it was needed. But they have done an unbelievable job navigating an unprecedented pandemic Uh, maintaining first the priority of safety, concern for the health and welfare of not just the players, the trainers, the coaches, uh, the front office. So they have navigated in darkness and kudos to them. They pulled off the season. Uh, Yeah, was shortened a little bit. Yep, some teams missed some games, but it was a good ride up until now, and now ready for the playoffs. Well, I'm not sure that the people's perception of the Red Bulls around the league changes significantly after this win, but for the team itself, this is huge. They will go into the playoffs having been defeated only once in their last seven games, and they did finish with a victory against the team with the league's second best record. How significant is that in your mind? Oh, Steve, I think it's huge uh, at a couple of different levels. First of all, we always talk about it. You want to go into the playoffs, a little bit of confidence, swagger. You just beat one of the top two teams, arguably, in Major League Soccer, and, and you beat them soundly. I, I, think, I think the score really doesn't reflect how well Red Bull played. So that's great. And number two, we always talk about it. Playoffs, you look at Red Bull's record in the last six, seven, eight games, they're a team, I think, that nobody wants to face in the playoffs. So they couldn't go into the playoffs in a better mode. You and I agreed early in the broadcast on MSG Network that no player in the stadium wanted a goal more than Tom Barlow. In the game's 24th minute, with Kaku being held out of the lineup as he departs this week, to represent Paraguay in World Cup qualifying. Florian Velo is entrusted with taking corner kicks, and this one results in the game's opening goal. Velo keeps it low, off-white, into the post, and it's in! The finish at the far post. Rebels have a one to nothing lead, and that's the man, Tom Barlow, who has 
Yeah, it feels good. Um, yeah, like you said, it's been uh, it's been kind of a crazy year. You know, I've been uh, uh, getting a, getting a bunch of looks, a bunch of chances, and uh, some of them haven't been falling my way. So it was nice uh, for this one to fall tonight, especially last last game of the regular season where we had in the playoffs against a good Toronto team who, uh, you know, they were they were obviously uh, looking to win tonight. Hopefully, hopefully capturing the uh, supporter shield. Big finish for Tom Barlow. How badly did he need that? Yeah, you could see it after the goal, Steve. He he was ecstatic, as he should be. And look, what I liked about that goal from Barlow was not his athleticism, not his leaping ability, not his, you know, perfectly headed ball into the back of the net. It was his focus. When you have a corner kick and it's played at the near post, you've got to be locked in. You know, so often players, right, in and around the six-yard box, they let up. He was hungry, he was locked in, and that's why he banged it in at the far post. Well, the significance of the goal for Barlow personally, he does not enter the postseason now with a goal-scoring drought hanging over his head. He is the team leader in shots and shots on goal, but if he doesn't finish, that means very little. Did you believe Bradley Carnell all this time when he said, I'm not concerned about Tom Barlow? He's getting in the right spots. I mean, sometimes that seems like coach filler to just buy some time for what is a very important player. You know, to answer your question, no, I didn't believe it, but I but I should. Because remember, Jesse Marsh years ago was talking about Danny Royer when Danny Royer was really struggling uh, in terms of scoring goals. And, and Jesse kept telling us, look, his goals are going to come. He's he's you know he's a good player. He can score goals. So, look, we talk about it all the time. Bradley Carnell or any coach for that matter, they're in the locker room. They're on the field every day. They they get a real sense of who's going to get going and and who's who has issues. So he had the confidence and and Barlow produced. Less than three minutes later, they double the lead, and it was Barlow's strike partner Brian White the team's hottest player by far, who scores for the fourth time in the last five games. Davis service played across. Duncan wants Stroud off his foot. White buries it. Brian White with the finish. The Red Bulls are up by two. And right now they're just flying at Harrison. Look at the buildup. The passing. I thought Sean Davis with a brilliant ball over, and how good was that by Kyle Duncan? Played it into space, and then just the way Tom Barlow never quit on the first goal. Look at Brian White. Bang! So what would you rather have? A Brian White who scored 10 goals this year, or a striker who's now exuding such confidence at the most important time of the season? Yeah, give me the guy that's hot right now, Steve. Look, when a when season starts in any sport, but for Major League Soccer, Red Bulls, they start way before the season begins, training, working out. You're playing for one thing. You're playing for the playoffs and, and that ultimate goal of winning a championship. So, look, 10 goals during the season would be great. I'd much prefer a Brian White or any other player being hot right now well Sean Davis started that play uh he and Drew Yearwood will start for this team in the playoffs won't they yeah they will and you and I talked about it speculated about it who's that 
tandem in the central part of the midfield. They had so many options. Caceres, obviously. Schakowsky. Drew Yearwood came in. Florian Velo has played back there. Sean Davis was not the player he is today early in the season, but they've nailed it down. Those are the two. Sean Davis, Drew Yearwood, central in midfield. They're going to have a lot of work to do against Columbus. I still can't get a handle on Drew Yearwood after all the playing time he's had for this team. Uh, There's no doubt he has value for this club. Sometimes do you think he's a red card waiting to happen? (laughs) No, I, I look, sure he is. I mean, the amount of fouling he does, the quick yellows he picks up. He's a good player, Steve. I'm a big believer in him. And and remember, we've talked about it so often, how long it takes to get acclimated to a different country, a different league, a different team. I think he's done a much better job than Samuel Tete, for, for example. So, look, you want that type of player to win that ball deep in the midfield. We think of so many other players who were like that, a Ben Olsen, a Richie Williams, a Shallery Joseph. I mean, that's the type of player you want at that spot. I want to go back to the forwards one more time because teams in this league, teams around the world, a lot of them have moved away from playing two forwards in their starting lineups, right? This was White after the match when asked if he prefers playing alongside Barlow. His answer wasn't vague, but I think it leaves the discussion open for debate. Take a listen. You know, I like having Tom because, you know, I think we offer a dual threat but I'm also comfortable, you know, doing things on my own sometimes. So, you know, whatever the coaches feel is the uh, best situation for the opponent, I think me and Tom are more than comfortable with filling those roles. So it was great to have him out there. It was great to see him finally, you know, get a goal. So happy for him. All right. So I try not to make too much of one game, but is this how it's going to be versus Columbus in the playoff opener, do you think? White and Barlow together in the starting 11 again after this game? Wow, Steve, I have no idea, but I would say no. And to your point, you know, very few teams in the world right now are playing with two strikers. Uh, Mostly it's a 4-2-3-1. And even if you go back to Red Bull's history, uh, when Luke Rogers was playing with two up top, they were were complementary players. Tom Barlow and and Brian White are the same players. So, you know, look back to Giovinco playing with Josie Altidore. Two very different complementary players. These guys are like the Twin Towers. They're very similar in how they play. Look, it obviously worked against Toronto. I mean, Brian White assisted on the goal, Barlow the other way around. So I'm not that sure. Uh, Bradley Cornell, again, he's got big decisions to make. It's just unusual to have two strikers who were so similar instead of complementary. Well, they did have to expend a lot of energy and did a lot of defending in the second half to preserve this important two-to-one win. I think for so many of the fans, the clock couldn't tick fast enough for the final 20 or so minutes of the game. There was some nerve-wracking moments. In your gut, did you think they were going to get this over the finish line or not? Yeah, Steve, in the broadcast booth, I think you could sense from me the agitation. You know, the game... Toronto FC came out in the second half, got the goal, and then all of a sudden the tide had turned, and I was I was jumping up asking for Bradley Carnell to get some subs into the game. And then when he finally did, he spent a sweet time talking to Danny Royer on the bench. 
I was saying, make the, make the sub. And then he went defensive, which surprised me again. He really went all out on the defensive side of the ball. Amaral Tarek in the game, five at the back. So, look, I was sweating it out, but clearly all that matters is the end result. They got the win. Let's talk about Bradley Carnell. He made a point when this was over of communicating how proud he was of his team's response after a 5-2 loss to rival New York City a week earlier. For most of this match, he felt the Red Bulls were the better side. After a very emotional week, I must say, you know, uh, losing the game that we did last uh, last game out last weekend, uh, yeah, with a performance like that, I think we all held ourselves accountable and we all wanted this bounce-back feeling um, and at all costs. And I think the players came out tonight and uh, showed up in one of our best first-half performances uh, of the year. Sum up the job he did since replacing Chris Armas on the 4th of September. Yeah, Steve, I give him an A+, because when a manager is replaced, you either get a little bit of a bump and then it goes back to how it was, or they just collapse. And so for Bradley Cornell, he didn't get the bump in the first game. He got blasted by the Philadelphia Union. So when you think just on sheer emotion, they're going to show something, it went the other way. And then he's navigated this season, making the team stronger every week. So, you know, I give him an A+. We often talk about it, Steve. I don't believe it's really a game of X's and O's. Yeah, there, there's some tactics uh, involved, but it's really about being a leader. It's about man management. It's about dealing with every player on the team with different personalities, different egos, and getting them to work together. So he's done a great, great job. Who knows what the future is for him? I can't tell if the Red Bulls are committed to him coaching the team for the entirety of the playoffs. Carnell said to his knowledge, the situation is fluid. If Gerhard Struber's paperwork is complete, at some point before the Red Bulls are either eliminated or win MLS Cup, he could come in and manage immediately. But can you imagine Carnell being removed as interim head coach if they win a playoff game or two? The situation here is very unique. Listen, Bradley Carnell addressed that a little bit with you the other day, Steve. You know, how would that impact them in the playoffs if Struber next week is available? And he... And, he had a real good answer, right? He said, look, we got a little bit of a bump uh, this second half of the season. Caden Clark goal, we're playing well. If Gerhard Struber arrives, maybe that gives us another little lift. I, I Look, sheer speculation. For me, the way to manage it, Gerhard Struber sitting up in the executive suite and watching the action down on the field, I think I think for sure that's how they'd go about it. To be clear, uh, no one is doing handstands after five other teams in the Eastern Conference finish the season with a higher point total. But keep something in mind. Carnell has been with this club since 2017. He was a Jesse Marsh and Chris Armas assistant for the Supporter Shield winning season in 2018. And he knows that whatever has been achieved to this point needs to be considered only the tip of the iceberg. Here at the Red Bulls, ever since I've been here, we've had a high standard. You know, I think three Supporter Shield uh, titles in six years. So I know what the standards are and I know what the expectations are. So, you know, when I, when I you know, agree to take over the helm here for the interim, 
this is my ambition. Uh, I'm an ambitious person and I want to make sure that I'm achieving the best possible results uh, at all times, knowing the standards, knowing my personal standards and, and what this club aspires to be. This team has had great regular season success and Bradley Carnell is very aware of that, but he has a chance now to do something that no other coach in Red Bull's history has done. And quite simply, he's four victories away from doing that. <laughs> you and I have talked about it every broadcast, Steve, and you know how I feel. In 2020, in this season, I am firm, firmly believe anybody can win it. Look, it's knockout. Obviously, there are no fans or very limited fans. Nothing, absolutely nothing would surprise me uh, when it comes to MLS Cup this year. How wild would it be? If Bradley Carnell, as an interim manager in this crazy season, he pulls it off. We'll do a deeper dive into Red Bulls Columbus as we get closer to the game itself, which is November 21st. You and I will have the call on the MSG Network in New York with pre-match coverage beginning at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. The game shortly after 3. What in particular is hard about this game for New York? They are underdogs in the 3-6 matchup. Steve, I like being an underdog, okay? I don't like being the favorite in any playoff scenario. You, you have more pressure. You have that target on your back. You have the expectations. I always believed, both when I was a player and now as a broadcaster, I'd rather be the underdog. Come in there, play loose, play, have fun. You've got nothing to lose. It's house money. So that I like. Columbus, we'll get into it, as you said, much later, much deeper. They've been very good at home, and they have really Darlington Nagby and, and Jossie Zardes. Just those two alone, you've got to stop those two players. That's tough. And, and Jossie Zardes is not a player that roams wide. He's going to stay pretty central. That's where he's dangerous. And I haven't seen Aaron Long and Tim Parker play so well together uh, all season long. Now's the time. All right, we will tee up the MLS Cup playoffs, which begins with the play-in round on Friday, November 20th. There are 18 teams alive in this very unique format, still with a chance to win MLS Cup. And Shep and I will get into it a little bit more in detail as we get closer to the postseason. Thanks for listening to the Shep Messing Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.